Good morning, everybody. And welcome to the highlight of human civilization. It's called Coffee with Scott Adams because that's what we do here. In addition to hearing the funniest takes on the news that you've ever heard in your whole life. If you'd like to make this experience go up to a level that you can't even imagine now. All you need is a cup, of, a cup or a mug or a glass, a tank or chalice or stein, a canteen, jug or flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure of the dopamine hit of the day. The thing that makes everything better is called the simultaneous sip. And it happens now. Go. Ah, savor it. Savor it. Good. Good savoring. Well, here's news from Japan. Did you know that... Uh, I saw this on a post from End Wokeness. Uh, that the, did you know the Apple stores in Japan, they don't uh, lock up the goods? If you go into an Apple store in Japan, you could pick up an iPhone and just walk out the door with it. But nobody does. <laughs> Isn't that hard to hold in your head? <laughs> that the, you know, a $1,000 phone is just sitting on a counter in this busy, bustling place they're not even worried about somebody stealing it. It's just not even a thing. I'll tell you, in the last year, I've, had, I've heard so many good things about Japan. Is this happening to you as well? People have gone there. I've probably been asked more, have I gone to Japan, than any other place I've been asked. And the story is always the same. People get there and they say, um... I didn't know what a modern city looked like until I went to Tokyo. And they say stuff like, uh, you can't believe how good it is in Tokyo. And they say things like, the people and the women are so nice and nothing. There's, it's clean. It's completely clean. <laughs> so I'm going to put Japan on my short list of places to escape if things get too bad here. Speaking of things getting too bad, Chicago has decided that what they need in their city is uh, fewer smart people. They need fewer smart students. So what they're going to do is they're going to eliminate the gifted school program so that the gifted people uh, cannot stand out compared to the average people. Because gifted people is, you know... If you help the people who are gifted, how is that going to be good for the world? Am I right? How could that possibly turn out well for everybody? Helping the most capable among us to excel. I don't see anything good that can come from that, except racism. So, as one of them said, uh, who was behind this program to get rid of the gifted schools, uh, the gifted programs just add stress because it allows some students to achieve higher levels of education. Yeah, if you let some people do better than other people, well, that's just going to add stress to the system. So you don't want any stress in your system, do you? Because what are, what are some systems that have stress? Let's see, democracy, capitalism, life itself. Yeah, you don't want any of that. So get rid of all that stress and you'll have a good time. <clears throat> May I say... The Chicago, 
Looks like the stupidest fucking people I've ever seen in my life. There's some really stupid people running your, your state or your uh, city. By the way, Chicagoans, did you know how stupid they are? I mean, they're really, really stupid. There's no other story to tell you, right? I'd love to say this is, oh, it's Democrats versus Republicans. It's not. No, this is stupid versus smart. And they've very clearly even framed it that way. They've actually framed it that they don't want smart people ruining their city. Well, they're getting their way. If you vote for stupidity over smart, you're going to get it. So good for them. They're getting what they want. Uh, Apparently, it's now legal for the Texas police to arrest illegal immigrants. The big surprise of this story is, wait a minute, that wasn't the case before? (laughs) Apparently not. Apparently not. Apparently, the police were helpless to arrest people that were obviously in the country illegally. Um, But now that's changed. So we'll see if that makes a difference. Um... Question, do you think that we could recover America from its current bad situation? Because we're kind of in a woke cesspool and the economy seems to have too much debt. Although there is a lot that looks good in the economy. I'll give Biden that. But the debt seems unsurvivable, really. I don't know how we could survive it. But Vivek Ramaswamy has some ideas. He says as president he'll repeal... Lyndon Johnson's executive order that mandated race-based quotas. He says, every Republican since Johnson had the opportunity to do it, but I'll do it on day one without an apology. (laughs) Do you think that would help the economy to get rid of race-based quotas? In theory. I mean, not right away, but in theory it should. How about uh, he's going to reduce federal employees by 75%. Is that, do you think that's feasible? A lot of people would say there's no way you can do that until they watched Elon Musk do it. <laughs> Elon Musk did it, reduced you know, the old Twitter by 80%, and traffic's up 22% compared to last year at this time. Let me say that again. <clears throat> 80% of the staff of Twitter were fired or left. And in that year... Traffic is up 22%. It's doing great. <laughs> yeah, uh, The X platform is doing great, traffic-wise. They still need to be cash positive. Uh, he's gonna, Vivek says he'll shut down the redundant agencies and he'll rescind 50% of federal regulations that fail to meet some EPA standard or some West Virginia versus EPA standard, etc. Now... Do you think some of those things will make a difference? I think so. Some of those things make a difference. But uh, Kamala Harris is also working on important things. Uh, She's reportedly going to travel the country in 2024, highlighting the the abortion fight. So she wants to make sure that abortion's in the top of people's minds as we go into the uh, election. And... I don't know. You know, Kamala Harris has had a number of special projects, but this one feels like the, the most on point. And honestly, it's one of the few things that everybody can get behind, because I think what she'll be doing is advocating that Democrats um, terminate their 
terminate their pregnancies before those children grow up to vote for Democrats. Now, that feels like something you could all get behind. Because I don't think the Republicans are going to have much difference in their reproduction based on the abortion laws. But the Democrats will. You know, if it's less available, there'll be fewer of them. So Kamala will be trying to suppress the number of Democrats that are born. And I don't know. Maybe everybody wins. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> so, and the, and the weird thing about it is that, of course, it's not even a federal situation at the moment. Shouldn't be. Um, apparently, in Washington, D.C., there have been six people already fined for voting twice in the 2020 election. And apparently, the way they did it is they voted once by mail and then once in person. And both votes were counted, but now they're being caught. Here's my bigger question that I did not find in the story. How do you vote twice? Uh, I guess I don't know enough about voting. If you say, isn't there some place in the voting process you have to put your Social Security number down? Or is that, is that not true? It, does all... No. Your, your social security number is not required for voting at any point, not for any part of the process, or just registering. It's only when you register, right? Never? Not even when you register. Huh. <laughs> well, I guess we found the problem. <laughs> Can anybody think of a reason why your social security number would not be important for establishing your right to vote? Is that because there are legal citizens who don't have a social security number? Or is it because some people who have social security numbers are not legal, so they don't want to use that? What? I guess I don't know why the rule is the way it is. Anyway. <clears throat> but six got caught, but well after the fact. So the big question we ask is, how common is this? Well, each of these people reasoned correctly that even if they got caught, the penalty would be minimal or none. So I guess five of them have a $100 fine. $100 fine. Minimal, right? You could survive a $100 fine. So how many do you think people do you think voted twice and just got away with it and nobody ever caught them? I don't even know how they caught these ones. How did they catch them? It's not in the, the article. It doesn't say how they caught them. But here's what it does suggest. It suggests that people who are willing to vote in the first place, you know, that's already a subset, but if they can, they're willing to vote twice. (laughs) So apparently the only thing that matters is opportunity. If you can vote twice, apparently there is willingness to do it. Now, if this were Japan, do you think this would be a problem? They don't even lock up their, their iPhones in the Apple store. In Japan, they probably just vote once <laughs> and say, well, I'd never vote twice. Why would I vote twice? That'd be crazy. I don't know about that. but So this doesn't prove that any elections were rigged, but it does prove that there's a large gaping hole in our ability to audit. Now, if what happened is we can audit the double votes, 
but not until two years after the election. That's like not really having an audit. So here's the question which we, uh, even to this day, nobody's ever answered. Imagine how easy this would be to do. Uh, somebody who knows how our election process works, you know, somebody who's an expert, give us a one-page sheet that's got a, a box for each of the processes in a vote. Could be you know different sheets for different uh, precincts, but the boxes would be such things like uh, get a, get a something in the mail to register to vote, you know, send in your register to vote, um, get your ballot in the mail, send in your ballot, and vote in person. So you have all these steps, and then once you vote, there are further steps for counting. <clears throat> so it might be uh, count the ballots in front of people. Uh, put them in a pile, have them sent through the counting machine, compare the images to the physical votes, if that's what they do. So in other words, it would be easy to break down each of the steps, would it not? And then one of the steps would be the vote is transmitted electronically to this other database. That's, that's a step. And then I'd like to see, once you have this big, you know, it'd be kind of a busy page, I'd like it to be color-coded for how many of these steps can be checked either the day of the election or in an audit easily. What would it look like? Would it look like a big page of boxes and only like three of them are colored because those are the things you can check? Or would it look like it's almost entirely checkable and there's you know, a couple little things sticking out that are hard to check? What would it look like? And why don't you know that? Why, don't, why is it that not a single person who's listening to me right now could answer the question of the entire election process from registration to the final vote and then even audits? How much of that is actually really checkable? Do you know? If you're a Democrat, you think it's all checkable because your news has told you, well, if they didn't find any problems, therefore, logically... Ipso facto, QED, no rigging happened because you didn't find any. The Republicans say, maybe you didn't look in the right place. Who's right? I have no idea. How would I know? I've never seen anybody explain how much of our process can, can be checked. And do you know why nobody does that? Because you'd think that one side would want to do it, right? You know, there would always be one side who thinks maybe the cheating is working against them. So you'd think, well, at least the Republicans would do it. You tell me there's no Republican who's ever produced a one-pager that shows what can be audited easily and what can not be audited? Never? Never done that. We've been, people have been fucking bitching for three years and nobody who understands the system can just put it on one page and say, yeah, these are thoroughly checked. And there is no way you could cheat in the following ways. And then show us the other boxes. Well, we wish we could check these a little bit better. We haven't found any problems. But honestly, if there were problems, we don't know if we could find them. Right? You, tell me, is that not the most obvious thing that your news should have told you every day since 2020? Every single day from the 2020 election, every day, 
They should have told you, here's the landscape. Here are the things you can check. Here are the things you can't check. Because what if I'm surprised that it can all be checked? I would be surprised. But it's not impossible. I'm actually open to the possibility that the Democrats are right. Just think about that. I'm open to the possibility that anything that's a large cheat is 100% detectable. I don't think that's the case, but I could be talked into it. In other words, if you said to me, you know, there's a process where they count the votes as they happen, and then there's a separate check where they make sure they got the right number of votes, something like that, then I'd say, okay, under those conditions, that does seem like if it was any kind of big cheat, you'd have a way to catch it. But is that the case? Is it? Do any of you know? Do you even know anybody who knows? Can you even name somebody who, in your opinion, could tell you if an election could be cheated? I don't. I don't know anybody to even ask. I don't know anybody in the public eye. I don't know any expert who's ever appeared on TV. I don't know any politician. I don't know any technical person. I don't know any critic. I don't know any, anybody at all. I have no idea who you could ask. Are our elections secure? And can we know that for sure? Now, why is that? Why is it that it's the most important question in the country? Are the elections secure? Because am I right that everything follows from that? If we believe the elections were not secure, we would overthrow our country. We would overthrow the government. Right? So everything flows from that, and it's completely explainable, right? You don't think there's anybody who could explain the steps and then tell you what vulnerabilities are in each step? Of course they could. Of course they could. I don't know who, but somebody could do it. Do you think the news has tried really hard to find somebody like that that they could bring on to really tell you, well, you know, 80% of our elections are totally bulletproof, but we've got a few little problems over here, honestly, and we wouldn't know if something happened. <clears throat> Why don't we see that? I can only think of one reason. That the Republicans and the Democrats are both invested in rigged elections. Do you see any other explanation? Because it's the most obvious thing the Republicans would do if they're arguing 2020 wasn't legitimate. It's the most obvious thing. So in my opinion, the Republicans have a dumb fuck, stupid argument. Show us the landscape. Show us how it's even hypothetically possible that there could be some rigging, even in a hypothetical. If you can't fucking show us that, shut the fuck up about a rigged election. Because I don't believe anything the Republicans are saying if they, don't, if they doubt the election. They're not even trying. Do you remember all those Republican processes to fix the elections this time? I don't. I do think some of the states tightened up some stuff. I don't know if that's going to make a difference. Did anybody explain to you that if, let's say, Georgia, whoever it is, Florida... Did anybody explain to you that if they made these changes, because there are some changes that got tweaked, that, that these cover up all the holes in our election process? Or here's the page of all the holes, and they fixed them. 
No. no. Nobody's ever even tried to connect any changes in the election process in any state with a larger picture of how many holes there are and whether this makes any difference at all. Now, the thing that should be bothering you is that nobody told you what I'm telling you until now. Not a single pundit. Nobody. It's the first time you've heard that nobody in the country has ever even heard an explanation of how much of our election system is vulnerable. Now, could it be because they don't want to tell you where the vulnerabilities are in case bad people try to exploit them? Not good enough. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I could imagine somebody thinking that. Not good enough. You need to tell us where those holes are, and we'll tell you if you need to fix them. You don't get to not tell us where the vulnerabilities are. No. No. No, you don't protect us that way. That's not protecting me. You tell us where those vulnerabilities are. It's not a military problem. All right. Alec Baldwin got uh, accosted on the street, I guess, and some Palestinian protester was getting on him because he's a Hollywood guy. He wanted to find out what his Hollywood opinion is on uh, Gaza, etc., And here's what uh, Alec Baldwin shouted back at him. There was more to the exchange, but here's the part I could hear. He yelled at the protester who was getting in his face, ask me a smart question. Very good, Alec Baldwin. Very, very good. That's what I've been teaching you. And in fact, I think I did it yesterday on on X. When people come into my uh, comments... And, you know, they ask that, uh, do you still beat your uh, wife question? It's the question you know is an illegitimate question to take you down a, a path of stupidity. Now, I used to take the bait on those because the question would be stupid. And I thought, oh, I'm going to make fun of this stupid question. I'm going to, you know, like, I really tear them apart with all my facts and logic. And that never works. The better thing is if somebody asks you a stupid question, you say... Ask me a better question. Ask me a smart question. It just shuts them down immediately. So Alec Baldwin actually, obviously he didn't get it from me, but there's a little lesson for you right there. Ask a better question. I say better question. He said smart question, same place. But better question is a little less in your face, but gets you to the same place. All right. Uh, Iceland, uh, apparently had the volcano has now uh, erupted, and uh, the entire nation of Iceland has melted. They melted. So, that's sad. So Iceland, uh, Iceland is no more. The country was made of ice, and the volcano melted it. I'm just checking to see if there are any Democrats here. Because remember, Democrats think January 6th was an insurrection. So how much of a stretch is it to tell them that Iceland melted? It's not that much of a stretch. They think the President of the United States once recommended injecting uh, bleach into your body. They believe that. Is that a big stretch from Iceland melted? No. No, that's a very small little leap there. 
They believe that the president of the United States, once called neo-Nazis, find people in the context of being the president of the United States. They think that actually happened. You think it's a big stretch from that to Iceland melted? No. It's a very small leap. Very small. All right. They also think uh, Trump's going to become a dictator if he gets elected. Is that a big leap to Iceland melted? No, oh, a small one. But I'm glad to see that none of you believed it. Once again, the smartest audience in all of politics. Uh, Congress ended its what Axios calls its most unproductive uh, term ever. The 118th Congress uh, only passed... Uh, couple dozen laws, where normally they're passing, I don't know, hundreds of laws, but that's all they could get done in the 118th. To which I say, good job. Good job. Thank you. Has anybody listened to Vivek Ramaswamy lately, who explains to you that the more laws we have, the worse off we are? <laughs> you know, they all sound good individually, but collectively, oh no, it was Elon Musk. It's Elon Musk. Uh, I think Vivek says it too. But Elon Musk did this uh, Gulliver's analogy where Gulliver is held down by all these you know, minor strings, but there's so many of them they can hold them down. And that every time we pass a new law, it might be well intended. It's just at some point there are too many and you can't get anything done. All right, so I don't know, is that good news or bad news, that they got nothing done? To me, it feels a little bit like good news. Was there a law that they should have passed that, uh, that they didn't? <laughs> I can't think of one. Like the ones that they were trying to get done and took a long time, I thought, well, maybe that should take a long time. I don't know. It hasn't hurt me yet. Fox News poll says only 14% of respondents say they've been helped by Biden's economics policies. How in the world do you win an election as an incumbent if 14% of the people think your economic policies are working for them? 14%, one four. That is so far from being electable. But you know what they're going to do? Does everybody know what the play is? Oh, there's the play. Yeah, Vivek Ramaswamy called it out. Uh, I called it out privately the other day as I was explaining investment advice to a young person. And I said the following. You probably need to be in stocks right now because it's an election year and Biden is sucking wind. There is nearly 100% chance that the statistics will be gamed and the interest rates will be tweaked to have a, uh, a boost in stocks and the economy to get Biden elected. Sure enough, the Fed is talking about some rate cuts because rate cuts pretty much always lift the stock market and make the economic people talk like things are good because the stock market is good. Now, the stock market is not a perfect proxy for the health of the economy. It's more of a proxy for the health of the rich people in the economy. But it's part of a story that would make it look like the economy and Bidenomics is working. So do you think that the government will uh, engineer a fake um, bump in the economy to get Biden elected? There's a 100% chance that's going to happen. 
There's a 100% chance that's going to happen. Now, this is not investment advice because there are other variables, not just politics. Right? It could be a big shock from the outside, etc. So don't buy stock because I say so. Do not buy stock because I said so. Don't do anything because cartoonists tell you to do it. Right? That's good, good advice. <laughs> but... I'm going to load up. <laughs> In fact, as soon as I get off the phone, I'm probably going to load up on, you know, I'm just going to take any cash I have and put it into the stock market, you know, like five minutes after I get off of this. Yeah. So that's what I'm looking at. But don't follow my advice. A new study says that uh, smoking shrinks your brain. And if you stop tobacco, and if you stop smoking, your brain doesn't get any bigger. They also say that uh, drinking alcohol shrinks your brain and stopping doesn't make you bigger. And that's why they think that smokers and drinkers have more problems with Alzheimer's because they have these tiny, smooth brains the size of a marble. I added that last part. Tiny, smooth brains the size of a marble. So, um, but this finally answers the question I've been wondering for a long time. Have you ever wondered how ancient civilizations could build pyramids and move those Easter Island stones? No cigarettes. No cigarettes. Their their brains were not shrunken by alcohol and cigarettes. So they were way smarter. In fact, they had giant giant heads. Just big old heads. Most of what I tell you today isn't true. But this is. Uh, James O'Keefe has the goods on uh, IBM's Red Hat group. Uh, So they've got some internal slides that some whistleblower gave them, I guess, that explains how whiteness works. What? That's a real thing? The IBM's Red Hat group, it's a subdivision or uh, separate company they own or something, Uh, but it's part of IBM. And they actually have an internal document how whiteness works. And it goes on to say, whiteness constructs the game, hides the rules, then rigs the game over and over again. Because white people are pieces of shit, and they should all be, what, hunted down and killed? No, it doesn't say that. That last part I made up. I didn't make up the first part. And the first part does imply the second part. So the second part's implied, but it's not actually written down. Yeah. Yeah, IBM are a bunch of fucking racists. Unambiguously. Unambiguously. Fucking racists. Pieces of shit. If you work for that company, you should consider maybe pushing your management or making a change. Go work somewhere where, uh, where they're not racists. I mean, that's what I do. Yeah, IBM is an unambiguously racist organization. Too bad. Well, Mitch McConnell's uh, approval level is up to uh, 6%. 6%. 6.0. In case you misheard that, you might have heard it as 60. No, not 60. Not 60. 6. 6 percent. Yeah, that's according to a Monmouth poll. And uh, 
Even Republicans have a net negative opinion of him. He's the only member of Congress to have a negative score among fellow Republicans. So... <laughs> let, let, let me see if I can get this straight. The head, the head Democrat is Joe Biden, whose brain literally doesn't work. But don't worry, because we have a, a competitive system. So right now, not counting Trump, who's not in office, the head elected Republican has 6% support. He's disliked by his own party and is clearly mentally challenged. The two most important people in the two parties that are also elected and serving at the moment are unambiguously mentally incapable. Unambiguously. I'm not going to say McConnell's fine and Biden's in bad shape. It's obviously they both have a problem. How do, we, how do we allow this? How did we get to this point? How in the world did we get to this point? Meanwhile, I see you prompting me to talk about Fetterman. Fetterman could be president. And I don't mean that as a joke because he had the stroke and I'm making fun of the capabilities of the others. I'm saying it because he's saying things in public that Republicans are even saying, hey... Oh, wait a minute, that makes sense. So he's opposed to massive immigration, and the Republicans just say, hey, Fetterman, okay, that, that made sense. And now he came out against uh, a Japanese company buying U.S. steel. He says, that's crazy. To which they say, Fetterman, you crazy... Okay, that made sense. That does make sense. Fetterman is going full America first. Fetterman has gone... Full America first. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to agree with Republicans on all issues. It just means that the lens he's putting on these issues is America first. Now, he may have a different opinion of what's good for America. Fine. Fine. That's a good conversation. But his filter is right. Is it not? Does that America? I'm not sure I ask for much more. Not asking for a lot more. Yeah. Could he be president? Yes. Yes, he could. The, the, the fact that I'm saying that out loud and I'm not embarrassed to say it is freaking amazing. But it has something to do with the fact, oh, did we get our 34-minute glitch? Uh, both platforms said they glitched at, at the 34-minute mark. <clears throat> what is that? It must be on my side because it's both platforms. Because there's nothing that would affect both of them except my side. Why would, what would happen? There's nothing happening in my house that would boost the Wi-Fi. I don't know, something weird happening. <clears throat> and unions as well. All right. So keep an eye on Fetterman. I don't know if he's back to 100% function. That would matter. But uh, he's, he's certainly breaking the mold there. I don't mind that at all. And you know what? When he does this, and by this I mean America first, suddenly the way he dresses makes sense. Anybody have that 
Anybody have that feeling? You know, when he was saying all the wrong stuff, you know, showing up in his baggy gym clothes looked like just disrespectful. But when he starts saying things that are uh, clearly good for the country, but not so much for his political party, then I see his, yeah, then I see it as anti-establishment. Exactly. I, I see his resistance to even wearing the clothes of the establishment suddenly it makes sense. He, he went from a slob to, uh, I don't know, a patriot or something. <laughs> I don't want to praise him too far because tomorrow he'll do something I don't like. But I don't want to be the person who can't call out uh, someone on the other team doing something that's good for the country. I'm not going to let that go. So good for you, Fetterman. All right. Um, John Oliver spent 30 minutes on his show. The surprising part about this is, did you all know John Oliver has a show? He has a show? <laughs> I, thought he, I thought he got fired a long time ago. I, I didn't even know. All right, but he has a show. So he spent 30 minutes of it trashing Elon Musk. Does that sound organic to you? Now, I don't think he's like getting paid by the Democrats to do it, but it's pretty obvious that they're just in this uh, Trump panic and they all know what to do, so they're just uh, getting together. Well, here's some good news. You know Brandon Straka of the... What's the name of his movement? The Walk Away or something? So he was a Democrat who became a Republican, more of a Trump-supporting Republican, and uh, rejected his own side, and he attended January 6th, um, did not go inside, and did not do any violence. So no legal problems for him, am I right? He didn't go inside. Yeah, didn't go inside, didn't, didn't trespass inside, didn't hurt anybody. But he was accused of... Uh, what was he accused of? He was sued under the KKK Act alleging that he engaged as a, in a white supremacist attack on a black and brown police officers, on black and brown police officers, that he caused their injuries, in quotes, which included being pepper sprayed and becoming exhausted. So being exhausted is part of their injuries. And that he conspired to encroach on their civil rights. Wow, that's pretty bad stuff, Brandon. Look at all those bad things that Brandon was allegedly did. You know what the outcome was? He won his case. So he won his case. Do you know why he won? Because he never had any contact whatsoever with the people who sued him. They weren't even on the same side of the uh, building. They weren't even in the general area that he was, and he, um, he managed to prove it. He managed to prove that he never had any contact with them whatsoever. Too far. Too far. Do you think that uh, the Democrats going after Brandon Straka is entirely because they watched his one individual actions that day and thought, these must be stopped any way we can? No, because he didn't do anything they cared about. They only care that he's convincing Democrats to walk away, and they must think he's good at it. So they're just going to lawfare him out of existence. But it didn't work. And you know what happens when it doesn't work? 
he gets stronger. He's up to about 800,000 followers on the X platform. If you're not following him, why don't you give the finger to the system and give him a follow? Why don't you boost his power because they tried to stop him? How about that? Because I'll tell you, the only reason you're listening to me is because you saved me. You, the audience, when I got canceled, which was a political act primarily, there were enough people who said, I reject that political act, and I'm going to support him by buying his book or joining, joining the subscription or whatever. You literally saved my public political life as well as my career. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life repaying that. Damn all of you. <laughs> I'm sort of wired for reciprocity. So I can't be that saved and not pay it back. Right? So there's going to be payback. You will get paid back. I will pay you back. Brandon Straka is on many of your sides, and he won, and he's taken pain partly for you. Partly for you. Because he's fighting on your team harder than some of you are fighting on your own team. So give him a follow, boost his power, and uh, you'll feel good about it. Let's get him to a million. All right. Uh, Believe it or not, there are still people talking about Nikki Haley being in a Trump administration or vice president. Can we stop doing that? Nikki Haley's not going to be in the Trump administration. No way. (laughs) There, There are too many really, really strong Trump supporters who say that's that's a zero. That, that would be an unforgivable mistake. Honestly, that would be unforgivable. And why are we still talking about it? Is it just because it's fun to talk about stuff that will never happen? It's like talking about RFK Jr. maybe being Trump's vice president. That will never happen. <laughs> never in a billion years will that happen. You know, I, could see, I could see RFK Jr. being an attorney general. That would be fun, but not a vice president. That's not going to happen. Um, anyway, uh, so Tucker Carlson uh, is, is also speaking against, out against Haley. He said, I would not only not vote for that ticket with Nikki Haley on it, I would adv- advocate against it as strongly as I could. And he says, quote, I mean, here's someone who's actively opposed to the interests of the country I grew up in, who endorsed the BLM riots, and who is a neoliberal in the darkest, most nihilistic way and has no real popular support, is a creature of the oligarchs. Well, that seems kind of hyperbolic, but that's where a lot of people are. Let's check in on the dictator Trump persuasion. Uh, I like to wake up every single day and find out that Hillary Clinton called Trump a dictator and Liz Cheney called him a dictator, and maybe two or three people on MSNBC called him a dictator, and maybe Eric Swalwell called him a dictator, and maybe Adam Schiff called him a dictator. Every single day. It's always a subset of you know, one of the same cats, right? So here's what I suggest. 
I think instead of making us navigate those sidewalk turds every day, like, why do I have to read the news and see that? It's crazy shit. He is Thanos. Thanos. He's, he's going to get the last jewel in his glove and snap his fingers and we're all going to die. Here's what I suggest. I think that the news entities should do just a Friday wrap-up of all the Trump dictator news. Liz Cheney says he's a dictator again. Uh, Hillary Clinton says he's a dictator again. Uh, let's see what Adam, Adam Schiff says. Uh, uh, oh, he says he's a dictator again. Uh, how about, let's see, uh, what, is it, what does Swalwell say? Oh, oh, surprise, he says he's a dictator again. She just put it like one wrap-up. We don't have to see those sidewalk turds any time but Friday. Like Friday at like 6 p.m. when everybody's traveling. Um, but what I loved was, I think I'm going to have to show it to you. Uh, so The Hill ran the story about uh, Clinton, uh, Hillary Clinton calling uh, Trump a dictator again. But what I loved was the, they did side-by-side photos. And I'm going to quickly find it for you here because, you know, when they pick the photo, you can always find a good photo and then a bad photo, right? For every, for every political person or candidate, you can find a good photo and a bad photo. Right? Now, this is the Hill, and presumably they have a photo editor, usually. There's usually an editor who's in charge of figuring out what photos go with what stories. So I want to show you what the photo editor decided were the two side-by-side pictures of Trump and Hillary Clinton when she called him a dictator. Trump basically looks like a calm executive who's explaining to other world leaders how it's going to be. Let me explain how it's going to be. We're going to pump all our own oil. We're going to close the border. Uh, You and Ukraine, you're going to step down. Uh, The war is over. And uh, we don't want to start a war anywhere else. And then there's Hillary. He's the dictator. He's the dictator. So that's what I got from those two pictures. Anyway, more about that. Uh, apparently the Democrat uh, per- persuasion is working because more than half of all voters believe Trump will act like a dictator if he's re-elected. More than half of all voters are now convinced he's going to act like a dictator. But, hey, the argument's pretty good. It's not like they don't have an argument, am I right? Well, let me talk to you about the argument. So there are really four parts to the argument that Trump will certainly become a dictator. Uh, Number one, there was that one time he did a metaphor. Uh, There was the time he told a joke. There was the hoax that the Democrats ran. And then there was one time he quoted somebody uh, saying that Democrats are bad. So if you put those three, all those things together, there was the metaphor he used, the joke he told, the hoax the Democrats ran, and the accurate quote about Putin that said Democrats are corrupt. So those are the reasons you'll become a dictator. Okay, so the metaphor was about the immigrants changing or you know, ruining the blood of America. So blood was a metaphor. He didn't mean transfusions, right? 
Did he mean that their blood would be injected into... I'm confused now. Because when he talked about COVID, and he talked about that they said he meant inject bleach, so now I'm wondering, does he mean that we'll take transfusions from the immigrants, we'll inject it into the Americans, and it will be like a bad mix of blood? Well, what if they don't even give us the right blood type? You know, what if you're type O, and somebody gives you some uh, immigrant blood that's like type A or B or something? Well, that's going to pollute your blood. And I think that's exactly what he was talking about. Yeah, yeah, blood transfusions. Oh, wait, it was a metaphor. Oh, it was a metaphor. Wait, he's going to be a dictator because he used a metaphor? Oh, it's like a metaphor that a dictator used once. Yeah, because dictators do use metaphors. Do you know who else uses metaphors? Everybody? Everybody? Like all people? Everybody? But this time, this one person using a metaphor, dictator. And then there was a joke he told about being a dictator for a day, so if you tell a joke, you probably do want to be a dictator. There was a January 6th insurrection, which was a total Democrat hoax and never was an insurrection, so that's Trump's fault. And then there was a time that Putin said that all the lawfare that's used against Trump is obviously political and corrupt. Which it is. (laughs) It's obviously political. It's obviously corrupt. And Putin isn't wrong about everything. I mean, we could not like him, but he's not wrong about everything. So am I wrong? That Trump is a dictator because a metaphor, a joke, a hoax, and a Putin quote. Did I leave anything out? Because I'm pretty sure those were the strongest attacks. The metaphor, the joke, the hoax, and the quote. Man, oh man. If you ever see a leader who uses a metaphor, a joke, a hoax, and a quote, you're all going to be dead within a year. I mean, if it had only been a metaphor and a joke, I'd say, okay, well, at worst, 100 million people will die when he takes power. But you've got a metaphor, a joke, a hoax, and a quote. And a quote. On top of the metaphor, the hoax, and the joke. That's a lot. Right? If you think, oh, there's just a, a hint, just a, there's just a suggestion that he might be... No, no. There's a mountain of evidence at this point. I'd call it proof. You could call it evidence. I call it proof. You show me a leader who says metaphors and jokes and is a victim of a hoax and once quoted somebody. I don't know how we can survive that. How can we survive jokes and hoaxes and quotes and metaphors? My God. Anyway, meanwhile, the Capitol Police are investigating the... uh, the staffer who had some sex in the Senate hearing room. Now, you might say, why do they need to investigate that? Because there's really not much to investigate. It's kind of right there. And, and who exactly was the victim, and why do we care that much? And so you might ask those questions, but here's what you don't know. The Capitol Police are going to keep investigating this until they find out how this is Trump's fault. 
because they can't keep him out of office with just a metaphor, a joke, a hoax, and a quote. They're going to need to tie him to something worse. And I think they're going to have to blame him for this Senate staffer getting ass-fucked in the Senate hearing room. And I think where they're going with this is they're going to blame Trump for inciting the inserted direction. That's right. The Capitol Police are trying to pin it on Trump for inciting the inserted direction. Yeah. You can take that one home for the holidays. I give you full copyright. You can even say it was yours. Yeah, I think he incited the inserted direction. You're welcome. All right. Uh, so there's uh, lots of legal jeopardy for Trump, too, which would keep him out of office. Um, are you having the same trouble that I am of keeping track of the 91 counts and the, the four big legal cases? Well, let, let me just walk them through you, because these are trouble. You know, if you're worried about the metaphor, joke, hoax, and quote, as if that's not bad enough, it's worse than that. Yeah. These are all the things that Trump has done to break the law and put every single American in jeopardy. There was a time he kept some classified documents like every single uh, politician since the beginning of time. Uh, and, uh, but those documents, are not like, they're not like other people's documents. So let's be honest. These documents are so dangerous that the people who have seen them don't even mention what would be the problem with them. That's how dangerous they are. Because you'd think, oh, what if it's just nuclear secrets? Well, they'd say that. They just wouldn't tell you what the secret is. So it's got to be worse than giving away nuclear secrets to the United States because they're not telling us. Because, you know, I can't think of anything they wouldn't tell us. You know, it, let's say it was a, gave away our UFO secrets. Well, don't you think that they tell us that? The people who have seen the documents, they say, well, we're not going to tell you what the secrets are, but we will tell you that Trump had those secrets in an unsecure place and that was illegal. So the first thing he did is so bad that they can't even tell us about it, even in general terms. Because we know it's not just about having documents, because even Biden had documents. It's got to go deeper. It has to go to the nature of the danger of those documents. And it's so dangerous, they won't even tell you the general category of danger. That's how dangerous it is. So that's believable. How about that phone call in which he used a mafia talk to, uh, to say he would like to find the votes that apparently <laughs> he could find behind a locked closet door <laughs> if they would just unlock it, which the court has so far refused to do. So when he said, just find the votes, that would also include, I would think, my interpretation, finding that some votes were illegal. Because that would be like finding that he won. So yeah, so he's being taken to court for asking them to look at the votes that are behind a locked door and some other stuff. Uh, So I, I guess that's terrible mafia talk to say find votes. And then there was a January 6th insurrection in which he, again, said the opposite of what he meant. 
So just like when he said find votes, uh, they say what he meant was go manufacture some votes. And when he said uh, to go to the Capitol and protest peacefully, what he really meant is tear it down and, and take captives. Um, and then there's this other problem with the bankers in which he made money for the Deutsche Bank lenders who were totally happy with the relationship. So he got a good business loan. They made money. But he did, well, he did do the process exactly the way it's normally done, which is that the person who wants the loan exaggerates their ability to repay it and their collateral. And then the bank does their own checking, which is their normal process. And then the bank made a decision based on their own checking. And then they made money, and they'd love to work with them again. So those are four very bad things that he's being accused of. Having documents like every other politician that are so bad they won't even tell us the general category of them. Once saying he'd like to have a, the vote quickly uh, rechecked, which is really mafia talk. Uh, once telling people to peacefully assemble, which is called overthrowing the government. And then also making a perfectly normal and routine business loan that's called uh, defrauding banks. But remember, all of these legal problems, it's not the only thing that's a problem. That's on top of the joke, the metaphor, the hoax, and the quote. It's on top of those. So that's a lot of bad stuff there. So Tennessee is uh, suing BlackRock, accusing them of uh, managing their money not for the best interest of the investors, but rather trying to get ESG goals and that that would be counter to their fiduciary responsibility to their investors, which is just to get the best return. You know, I look at this and I'm starting to think, it almost feels like it would be wrong for a CEO to use other people's money, billions of dollars of it, to make his neighbors like him more. It feels, I'm starting to think that's wrong, to use other people's money to make your social life better. Because they think that's what happened. I mean, it looks like just some people trying to keep their own money. Let me give you some advice. If you ever become a multi-billionaire in this country, if you're ever lucky enough to become a multi-billionaire, the first thing you should do is, is join the, uh, you know, the black and brown people in this country, and Democrats, and rail against the unfairness to that group and against the racism, because that's how you divert them from the fact that you just sucked billions of dollars out of the system for just showing up at work. <laughs> he just showed up, made a billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah, that's how you keep the, the brown and black people from killing you and taking your billion dollars that they don't think you earned while they're picking up litter and working manual labor and stuff. Yeah. So the way you stay alive if you're a billionaire is you pretend you're working hard for the, the people at the low end. And in this case... This fucking asshole was using other people's money, literally, the investors. He was using other people's money to signal that he's a good person, so don't kill him and take his billion dollars that was barely earned. 
barely earned in the sense that financial manipulation, uh, even when it's legal, totally legal, is not exactly adding as much to the country as you hope. So, uh, so Tennessee's going to take a bite out of him, it looks like. You know those uh, CAPTCHA things called CAPTCHA? When you're trying to sign on to a site and it says, identify all the buses in these, this grid of pictures. Well, now AI can do that as well as humans. That's right. New study. Uh, Rowan uh, Chiang has some great AI uh, stuff. You should follow him. Rowan Chiang. C-H-E-U-N-G. Anyway, he's got, every day he's got new AI stuff that's some of the best. Um, so the uh, AI bots could do the same as a human in getting past the CAPTCHAs. So we do have some really big security problems coming. Really big ones. Um, ByteDance, the parent of TikTok, is being accused of stealing some of the tech from ChatGPT because apparently they have a legal API connection to them. So it's, you can buy an API, which is called a, like an external connection to another person's service. So ChatGPT offered that, but they, of course, had restrictions on how it's used. But allegedly, uh, the TikTok owner, ByteDance, used it to suck out enough information to build their own AI. And then ChatGPT banned them from using it. So, you know, I'm starting to think we can't trust China. Anybody with me? I'm just starting to get... I don't know what it is. It's like a feeling, like just a hunch, sort of a gut feeling. I just feel like they don't have our best interests in mind. I don't know. Well, also on uh, AI, um, there's a jailed opposition leader. This is also from Rowan Chiang. A jailed opposition leader named Imran Khan over in uh, Pakistan. So he's in jail, but he's running for office. So how do you run for office when you're in jail? They created an AI version of him with his voice, a perfect deep fake, and they sent it out to campaign. So there was some virtual event in which he just gave a speech, but he wasn't there. His avatar gave the speech. And it probably went over well. How about that? Am I right? That's pretty scary. Is there another Imran Khan? I don't know. Somebody's asking a question that I probably can't answer. Well, that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes the best live stream you're going to see all morning, because I took all of your time. Is there anything I forgot to talk about? Um, I think I've hit all the big stories. Got to keep your eye on... Okay. Is X shutting down? Not that I know of. Um, Israel is plugging along. Earthquake in China. Yeah, I don't usually cover the uh, natural disasters. We don't know too much about the earthquake. 5.9, 100 people reported dead. But I guess we'll wait and see on that. 
Terrorism in the U.S., Maui fires and the Vegas shootings. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think the Maui, fight, the Maui fires are pretty conclusively the down fire lines. Did you see the video in Maui that actually showed the wind blowing down the, the power lines and they were sparking, and it was all around dry grass? I mean, we have a video that, in my opinion, is pretty conclusive about the cause of the fires. It was just the, the wind blew the, the lines down, the lines sparked, it was dry grass everywhere. Pretty basic stuff. Um, wouldn't it be... A, no, they weren't underground. They should have been. Maui underground mansions. Yeah, there's a story about uh, Zuckerberg building a bunker under his home. I don't know. If you were a billionaire, wouldn't you build a bunker under your home just in case? I feel like that's, you know, if you have an extra hundred million sitting around, yeah, I don't know, it doesn't tell me much. Uh, I think at any time in my life, at any time in my life, if I had a billion dollars, I would have built an underground bunker. Sure. Never know. Never know when you need it. All right. Um, You'd build one for fun. Some are started by cars driving and driving. Really? New Zealand has billionaire bunkers. Oh, it's the thought that you, if you could get to New Zealand, you could ride down a nuclear war or something. That probably makes sense. You, you could easily imagine um, a future where only one country survives. You know, like New Zealand. Like, everything else is just destroyed. But you got one place that survives. I can see that happening. Um, on the beach. Antarctica would survive? Yeah, maybe. All right. That's all I've got now. Could I get the Streisand effect renamed after me? <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I hit that like button. Yeah. Hit that subscription button, YouTubers. All right, that's all I got for you. Uh, I don't know about Neville Shute's book on the beach. Don't know about that. A reparations committee in New York. Oh, New York has a reparations committee. <laughs> uh, I, I think somebody should uh, calculate the counter-reparations argument. You know there is one, right? See, you can prove anything with math. Somebody's going to do why black people owe white people. Now, I don't know how that calculation would turn out. Somebody's going to do it. And here's what they do. They would, they would add up all the crime. They would add up all the you know, welfare and things that are, let's say, out of the norm. So that, not the baseline, because everybody, you know, every group has some baseline stuff. So you take whatever's the excess, and you'd say, here, here are all the advantages you have. Then you'd have to calculate all the white men who had their own careers suppressed by the racism, like IBM's racism. And you'd have to say, let's subtract. You have to figure out all the money lost by white people by discrimination for the last 40 years. Imagine every white person who lost a promotion in every big company for 40 years. So 
let's say, 50 million people times 100,000 apiece. What's 50 million times 100,000? Can somebody do the math? 50 million times 100,000. That's probably what white people lost. Can you do that for me? 50 million times 100,000. 5 trillion? 5 trillion. So 5 trillion is how much uh, white men have given up for the benefit of minorities. And women. So you'd have to, you'd have to subtract out the woman part. Right. 5 billion or is it 5 trillion? 5 trillion. Enough. Yeah. Uh, I think we've decided it's 5 trillion. So, if you added the effects of crime, the 5 trillion, <laughs> um, yeah, the effect on schools, the, 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 complete, the complete loss of the retail sector, I think you'd have to add in all the crime uh, that the retail companies have lost. I think you'd find that uh, black Americans owe white Americans probably at least a trillion dollars. Which is not to say that, you know, discrimination was not real. Of course it was real. And there is lasting discrimination. Systemic systemic racism is real. It's just that it works both ways. There's systemic racism against white, black, and Asian. There's systemic racism against men. There's systemic racism against women. Basically, the system is designed to discriminate against different groups. So, and it does it well. And by well, I mean bad. <clears throat> yeah, if, see, here's the problem. I've actually done financial calculations for a living. And, and I can guarantee you can get any answer you want. There are always enough variables you can get any answer you want. So you could find out that white people owed descendants of slaves a trillion dollars, but you could also very easily find out that the slaves owe five trillion dollars to white people in America. (laughs) It just depends how you do the math. You you could decide what variables are included and what are not. And I'm not saying one of those is right, because these are political things. It's not about what's logical. It's not about what's right. And it's not even about doing the math right. It's purely power. And then we use these, these weak little arguments to support the, the power move. But it's never about the argument. It's never about the math. It's never about the facts. Those have nothing to do with anything. So that's all I got for now. YouTube, good to see you, and I will see you tomorrow.